Hello and welcome to Romance at a Glance. I am your host, Shawnee. With me is my beautiful co-host, Bridget. How are you doing today, Bridget? Shawnee, I am doing so fabulously because you're back in Los Angeles and I could not be happier for you or for me. And you're getting your COVID test today and hopefully everything will be negative and then we can see each other very soon. I'm super excited for that as well. Also, I don't know why, but my brain just like assumes and makes plans like the COVID test is going to be negative. And I feel like if the COVID test comes back positive, I'm going to be super shocked. I'm going to be it's just like in my first of all, furious <laughs> on your behalf and on my own. <laughs> and secondly, saddened. And thirdly, I will also be shocked because honestly, I think you've had COVID already because you got so sick two times in Florida. So I feel like you already had it and your antibody test will come back positive. But I feel like you don't have it now. But then again, people are asymptomatic. So who the fuck knows? Who the know? fuck knows? But it's it's like, it's it's so weird, though, because I keep telling people like, oh, I'm going to get my COVID test um, and then I'll see you on the weekend. And like, h- I'm making plans like. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll see you on the weekend. Bitch, you never, better not be seeing anybody but your partners and me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's pretty much. That's pretty maybe much your, maybe your brother, but you just saw him. So I feel like. <laughs> He doesn't need to be seen. My partners are really the only ones who are like, you know, clamoring. And I think that that is all I can handle at this point. I'm just trying to like get situated, get all my ducks in a row um, and just like handle logistics of being home. And also being like tonight, dear listeners. So I live in a studio apartment with my partner and there's only one room. I mean, it's only one room. And so I had to kick him outside <laughs> to do this podcast. He is he is in the car, chilling right now, watching a Netflix show while we do this. So I think that is COVID living. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not like he can I've go anywhere. Spoiled. Can't like go see a friend. Can't go to a movie. Can't go to a restaurant. Exactly. For those of you in other parts of the country where, or other parts of the world, hey, everybody, what's up, friends? Hey. Um, where you can do things. Uh, in Los Angeles, you can't do anything yet. You can do nothing. You can eat, actually, at some nothing. restaurants on patios, if they have a patio. Um, and, and that's that's pretty much it. I mean, for, for like, most things are still closed. But the air quality is so, so bad outside so bad. right now because there's, like, a million fires yeah. that, like, even if you're outside... Like it's so smoky, your eyes start burning. Your I I like keep feeling like Jesus. Do I have COVID? Because every time I go outside and spend more than ten minutes, I start to get that tickle in your throat. You know where you're like, I need some water. Cause yep. ahem, ahem. <laughs> that's my zinc. That's my zinc tickle. Every time I get that, I'm like zinc. Where's the zinc? I need zinc now. <laughs> but definitely, it, it's gonna be an adjustment from being at my parents' house for COVID, where I had an entire house and an acre of land to roam around on uh, in my own space. I pretty much have my own wing of the house at their house, because you get way more house in Florida than you do in LA, to being back in my studio. And I'm honestly quite ready to jump back on a plane. <laughs> She's been home three days. <laughs> I know. Hopefully the air quality will clear up in like the next week, though. And then it'll be better, because you can like go for walks, go for a bike ride, go to the park. Like, there's a lot more you can do in L.A. once the weather's nicer. It'll be cool when I can actually see people. You, sit in my, you can come to my house. You sit in my house in the backyard. Come hang out with my babies. My babies miss you. See, that's what I'm waiting for. Like, I feel like I'll be much better. Once I get my test and I know everybody's, like, assured they're not going to get an STD from me, like, then I can, like, visit people. That's all I want to do. I want to see the people I haven't seen in six months and, like, just catch up and then catch up on work. I still have like two music videos I have to get edited as well. So like I have a lot of shit you to do. You do have a lot but. of shit to do. I also 
Because of all of that, we were supposed to have a nice cushion when you came back where you had a couple weeks to like reacclimate before we really started heavily filming again or recording again. And that's not the case now. No, nope. you guys, I want you to know that Shani's about to pull a real, real big feat in the last uh, two weeks of this month. She's about to record like four books and uh, really we have a couple quickly. author interviews. We're doing <laughs> Julia Quinn coming up, Loretta Chase coming up, Beverly Jenkins coming up. Guys, Titans are on fucking romance at a glance. Titans. 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 Oh my gosh. I feel so honored, I feel by the way. so stoked. Super honored. It's so, it's just like so exciting. You know what's interesting is I think I maybe mentioned this in season three, but like I assumed that most people would say no. So like I understand that book, like authors have to sell their books and so they go on, yeah, you know, different shows and different blogs and different, you know, like I understand marketing and that, that their publishers want them to appear on things to get their name out there, to get more people to know about them, to buy their books. I understand how it all works. However, I just assumed that there were enough big outlets that a smaller thing like ours, because we just started, they would be like, oh, you're too small of a fish for our big authors to go on. I'm sorry. Our author is a 20-time New York bestseller. She's not coming on your show. She has a Netflix show that's about to premiere. She's not, she's doing interviews with Entertainment Weekly. She's not coming on your show. That's what I assumed. I, I mean, but I was like, I'm going to ask, obviously, Julia Quinn's literary yeah. agent and publicist, can we have her on our show? Of course, I'm going to ask. All they can say is no, but we're already at a no. All they can say is yes. We can only go up from here. <laughs> so that is my TED Talk for the day, everyone. If you think they're going to say no, you're already at a no. Where you are at is at a no. All they can do is yeah. say no. You're still at the same spot you were at before they said no. You're still right there. <laughs> you didn't go anywhere. But they could also say yes or maybe. And uh, I have to tell you, we have gotten a significant amount of yeses, and I could not be more excited, more pleased. And we still have a bunch that we're trying to schedule in, and it's just exciting. It's just, a, it's just an exciting day, Shani. It's going to be an exciting fall here on Romance at a Glance. Interviewing all your favorite authors is like fucking Disney. <laughs> yeah, especially because like Disney which I've actually never been. I just assume this is what it's like. But like Disney, it doesn't let you down. You go there for magic, you get magic. <laughs> and all of these authors that we have interviewed, we go there for like a fun talk and just like camaraderie about romance and sex. And just like, and we end up having the most fun chats. I would say all of the people that we've interviewed so far, I would invite over for drinks. Like, I think at the end of every interview, Shawnee's like, you guys, when you come to LA, you should come to Bridget's house and we should all hang out. That's how all of our interviews have ended after we call cut. So uh, it's a goddamn delight when, uh, when people that you admire are great people in real life, too. Absolutely. And I, I can't help it. I'm very friendly. We, we talk to these people and you get a vibe and you pretty much know right away, like, you're not a serial killer. Let's have tea. <laughs> Let's chat. And we don't even have to have book chat. We can talk about anything other than your books. I don't care. But come visit me. Yes. You know, <laughs> I'm very European. Come be my way. friend. Um, yes. Come be my friend. For real. Be my friend. Yes, you no. guys, we cannot <laughs> wait until there's a vaccine out there in the world so that we can start traveling because uh, we want to, like, actually meet you guys in real life and do yeah. the show and record in real life and do public public recordings, live recordings. It's live recordings. It's not public. They're live, but they're public. They're not public because you have to pay. It's live. It's fine. I know how to talk. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> We're excited about it, though. Well, I'm excited to, like... Not only do live recordings, but like have uh, listeners be on or come on for a part of the show. And we can do that when we actually are able to like travel oh, yeah. 
um, or have people come or people who are already in L.A. or travel to where they are. I mean, that sounds fascinating to me because even though you and I tend to agree, like for the most part on our like opinions of books, we do have somewhere where we vastly differ. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, the comments people write on Instagram, I'm like, oh, I didn't even think of totally. that. Or like, oh, man, you're blowing my mind with this conspiracy theory of what's happening here in the Black Dagger. Yeah. What? Like, or or they've read. Fascinating. Because a lot me. of times, like especially in this season for me and contemporary, too, it's like I haven't read the back catalogs of these people. Yeah. So like Black Dagger Brotherhood, obviously we had read all we had already read books one through 11. But like these books, like I've read almost none of these authors other books um coincidentally i had read two lisa claypass books before we got to this one just because i'm talking about them with lit wallflowers podcast when i do the crossover episode so i had just read those two when i read this one and but that was like coincidence so i completely think it would be so fun to do live events because some people would be diehard fans. They'd have like, oh no, I read her other 14 novels and let me tell you why you're wrong. And I'd be like, please, tell me the deeds. <laughs> also, I like when people can just tell me what's a good book. Like, don't waste your time on this book. Skip to book two. That's where mm-hmm. it really gets in. You know, because especially when authors give you a recap of book one and it's just enough that you don't have to read book yep. one. I actually felt like that in this book. So obviously we're doing Devil in Winter yeah. by Lisa Claypass. I actually felt like this in this book because I did not read books one and two before we read this book. Did you? Nope. Yeah. Uh, had you read them previously though or no? I hadn't read them previously, but I do love uh, Lisa Claypass. Okay. I've read a bunch of other Okay. Books. So I actually think, and we'll get more into this later, but I actually think it was a benefit that I did not read books one and two based on some people's comments um, in their reviews on Goodreads. Uh, but we can get into that in the episode. I'm just so excited to like see you in Los Angeles. And I'm so excited that we'll hopefully be recording in person by the end of season four. And all of season five will be in person during the day. And I just like you guys <laughs> during the day. And we're not tired. You guys, Shawnee picked all of the books for season four. And she did a wonderful job. And I'm having a lot of fun in my historical season. Uh, just curing me of my old cherry in the historical realm and has been a delight. It's been a nice, easy ride and I'm enjoying it. But I wanted to gift Shawnee with season five because you guys know that we are not into a closed door romance. <laughs> and so I worked very hard at finding the smuttiest of the holidays. The smuttiest. And the holiday romances. So let me tell you a little bit about season she five. Re- We're going to do a full... But she really did, y'all. She has been texting me incessantly <laughs> like, we're going to do this book and this book. Oh, this one's smutty. <laughs> like, that's, those are the texts I've been getting from her. Tell us. I want to thank everyone on Instagram who's been helping me. And I am going to name drop you all in upcoming episodes. But I didn't think I was going to talk about it this soon. But I'm just so excited about it. I had to give a quick sneak preview. So I want to thank all of you on Instagram who've been helping me uh, in all of our stories and dropping me all these books. I have read through all of the descriptions. I even read like the previews of some of these books to make sure that they were going to be appropriately smutty. Not appropriate, inappropriately, appropriately <laughs> inappropriate, if you get my meaning. Um, and we are just doing the most fun. So we're doing three paranormals for a Halloween. Then we're swinging into the military in honor of Veterans Day Mm -hmm. and with a little police officers thrown in there and then we're hitting the small towns hard. We're hitting the small towns hard, people. We got some cowboys. Ooh, I love small Some male on male small town 
Mm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got some dirty talking. We got Tessa Bailey and Talia Hibbert back to back. And then we are going into Rebecca Weatherspoon. We've been trying to get a Rebecca Weatherspoon into one of our seasons. I made it happen. Yes. There's nothing so says excited. Christmas like a hot ginger nanny. Nothing says it like a hot ginger <laughs> nanny. Hot ginger nanny. And then I'm very excited about dipping our toes into some indie authors and rounding out our Christmases. I'm not going to tell you the books yet because I am desperately hoping that one book gets released on Audible before we get to Christmas. But the author tells me that it's possible it might not. So we may, I already know which book I want to read of hers if we can't read the Christmas one. But I'm fingers crossed for the Christmas one because I read one of her novellas, Shawnee. Hot damn. This is Katie Robert, guys. This is Katie Robert. If you haven't read your dad will do. Ooh, treat yourself. Treat your dad will do. Let me tell you about it, Johnny. Let me tell you a quick. What will he tell do? You. What will he do, Bridget? Tell me what he do. Tell you. There's a girl, and her fiance mm. cheats on her, and the relationship is over. And she oh, shows no. up at his dad's door. Oh and shit! And he's 20 years older than them, and she has been lusting mm. after him the whole time she's been with her fiance. Hot damn. And she just shows up and she's like in a sexy little outfit, thigh highs on and a garter. And he's like, what'd you come for? And she's like, oh, you know what I came for. And then he, oh, and then she, he's like, do you want to call me daddy? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, oh shit, it's on. And they go to Poundtown. They go to Poundtown. Oh shit. Shawnee, this is it. You will literally die. I think you will die of orgasms. It was yes. hot. Possible. Hot. I haven't had sex in six months, so I, I'll easily die from anything. <laughs> tickle, tickle me, I'll die. <laughs> Anyways, you guys, I'm really excited about season five. It's gonna be smutty. It's gonna be glorious. It's gonna be fun. My sister Anne's gonna come back and do a guest episode again. Um, I love when Anne comes. We are, we're just excited about it. You guys, I'm so excited about this podcast. I'm so excited you're all here. We have all these new listeners. Thank you guys for coming along on this sexy, sexy journey with us. We have new patrons. Yes. Thank you guys for being here. We love you guys so much. We just sent out our first patron box. Tell the people what was in our patron box. I can't tell the people because it was not. It's kind of X-rated what we put in it's that box. X-rated. Give them a hint. Okay, well, it's not your mama's. Uh, secret box. It's not your mama's book box. Way, but this ain't a book box with candles. This ain't a book box with potpourri. We put important things absolutely. in there. Absolutely. The novels. Let me tell you. Let me t- let me tell you. If you're home alone during quarantine and you need to get yourself some, and you and you have a nice this box is for romance you. Romance novel in your hand. What would you want in your other hand, Sean? Oh, I'd want something that you know vibrates a little bit. You just shake it up a little bit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just do a little twist. Something that shout, gives you a little. You know ooh, ooh, how's your mother? How's your mother? <laughs> Well, you guys, that's enough of a tease. But let me tell you that our book boxes go out four times a year and they will be themed according to season. So when our books go out in December for our Christmas holiday mashup season, you better believe that will be influencing the contents. Not only the books, because we always choose books from the current season, but also our extra goodies. Okay, so maybe maybe you're into the, the paranormals. Well, let me tell you, when we get to that season, you're going to want to know what's in that box. You're going to want to play with what's in that box. You're going to want to be played with creative. what's in that box. We get creative. Yes, yes, ma'am. 
Mm-hmm. Amen. We've Amen. been doing our, we've been, mm-hmm. we've been testing things out and doing our research. And I tell you right now, it's been a fun, put a lot of thought into it. A lot of thought. <laughs> All right, Bridget. Are you ready to get into Devil in Winter by Lisa Claybath? Shawnee, I am ready to get it pop, pop Let's get it pop, 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 you just do? I had to change my shirt. I had to get a t-shirt to sit on. Shawnee, people, dear listeners, I have to tell you right now that my husband got a tiny little turtle that is approximately an inch and a half across, maybe two. So cute. He loves it so much. He like bathes it every day. He takes it outside to play in the grass. It's adorable. However, it needs to have a warm environment. And my office is where the turtle is because it can't be near the kids right now because they're only two and not even one. They cannot be trusted around a turtle they're not supposed to touch yet. Oh my God, you guys, it's so fucking hot in my office. I'm going to melt. (laughs) So I had to leave after our intro to go get a t-shirt to sit on because my butt was sticking to my office chair and I had to put on a tank top and get some ice water. So in case you guys are wondering... It's about 90 degrees in my office, and it's 10 p.m., so I'm just living my best life here in Los Angeles today. Hashtag Hashtag best life. life. (laughs) Hashtag best life. Okay. All right. Aside from me being sweaty, Shani, let's talk about the audiobook. How is the audiobook of Devil in Winter? Well, let me tell you. The Devil in Winter uh, is narrated by Rosalind Landor. And she is an OG um, audiobook narrator. Nice. She does the Bridgertons. Okay. Oh, you love um, that one. And a whole... Great. Yes. And a whole host of other um, historicals. She's just got that the voice of historicals. Nice. Like, so if you don't like her, then you're kind of screwed because all, <laughs> like, all the best historicals are like, done by her. All the classic like OG ones are done by her. She does a really good job. I think a really solid job of... She does male voices really well that's good like that's where i always know if a narrator is going to shine is if when they do the opposite sex of their own if it doesn't sound like a caricature Mm. i could see i could see a woman being like and then he said go to the bed go to the bedroom (laughs) (laughs) go to the bedroom yeah like she does like she does the accents like she does uh cam's accent and um she does the american accent um and whatnot but she doesn't, I mean, it still sounds like her, but she just kind of lowers her pitch a little bit. And it's real easy when she does the men. Um, and I really, uh, I appreciate her. I appreciate her. Also, I'm used to her. I've heard her voice for a long time. Okay, well, you heard it here, you guys. If you like audiobooks, this is a great one to get. Go go snatch it up. Snatch yeah, it. so this is book three of the Wallflower series. And like we were saying in the intro, I actually think it was a benefit to not read books one and two because... Mm-hmm. Um, in book two, the hero of this book kidnaps one of the other wallflowers and tries to essentially yes. like seduce and or possibly rape. I didn't read that book, but her ravage her into forcing her into marrying him because she's getting ruined mm-hmm. by him. And of course, it gets stopped by the guy who eventually becomes her husband, who is this guy's former best friend. And I feel like had I read that book... I can see where I would not have liked this book as much. But because I didn't read it, and in this book, it talks about how Evie actually goes to him 
for this marriage of convenience because she knows he has no scruples and she knows yes. he's desperate. I was like, oh, okay, that totally makes sense to me. And I was fine with it. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. If she's fine with it, I'm fine with it. Well, I think it speaks to like how you just need to justify something. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but it has to be justifiable. Like, why would she go to this guy who kidnapped her friend, who whatever, but she's desperately fleeing a terrible situation with her family. And there, I mean, in general, there's some trigger warnings in this book. There's some physical abuse, some child abuse and neglect type of thing. Um, but she's fleeing from that family. So he's a better option. It's like the lesser of two right. evils for right. her. So you're not, she's not going there because she's in love and you're trying to have, there's redemption for this guy in this moment. It's like, no, he sucks. And I need somebody right now to fill this gap. And he sucks and needs money. So he'll do yep. it. Like <laughs> that was actually you know? one of my favorite things about this book. And you guys, I promise I'm going to like redo a quick synopsis in a second. But that was one of my favorite things about this book is that after they get married, because this all happens really fast. The beginning of the book opens. Yeah. She goes to his house at night and it's like, look, you're desperate. You're a douchebag. So you're going to do this because I got money and you got a title and I need your protection. And he's like, OK, you're right. <laughs> Let's go. They leave immediately for Scotland <laughs> to go get married. Yeah. They don't stop anywhere because she's afraid her family will catch her. They get there, get married. They don't even have sex that night because they're so tired from the journey. They have sex the next day. Ow, ow. Uh, but one of my favorite things is that she doesn't all of a sudden like have sex with him and then get digmatized and fall in love with him. She's like, no, no, once was yeah. enough things. I just needed to consummate. You can go back to your rakish ways. I don't care. And he's all like offended. Like, what do you mean you're not in love with me after having sex with me one time? It's bullshit. Um, and I really liked <laughs> that about her. I definitely agree with you I, I liked how the book started with action like mm -hmm. it moved from the very beginning it wasn't slow there wasn't a whole lot of explaining what was going on they did mention that he had uh, that he had previously done a kidnapping and what that was but it was super justifiable that she went yeah. to him so I was like cool I buy it you've sold me I can keep going on with this story it a little bit reminds me of um there's another book by Elizabeth Hoyt and it's called I think the Duke of Sin or something like that and it's also like a character who is like an asshole. He spends every book in that entire series being a terrible human being. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then he gets his own book. What I loved about that book was that he doesn't miraculously become not a terrible human mm -hmm. being. But there is redemption for him, yeah. you know. But he, he becomes like a lovable asshole. Right is more what he is. And I think the element that we always talk about is like, I love when a guy is an asshole to everyone else, but sweet to me, yeah. you know, like a dick in the street. Which was this, was for sure this book, yeah. Yeah, you know, and so uh, I like that about him too, is that like every, for me with him, things made sense. This book made sense to me. Um, but I do think we should go back and let's talk about the book cover. Okay, let's talk about the book cover. I thought it was pretty. Yes. I <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wrote. I wrote, pretty, gave me the sock-focused historical vibe without people. So no really telling what it's about. <laughs> That's what I wrote. <laughs> I totally agree with you. It is pretty. It's a painting of a, um, of a manor mm -hmm. house of some mm -hmm. sort. Um, it's wintertime, so it's snowing or there's snow on mm -hmm. the ground. Um, but I find that this is actually like a classic cover from when I was growing mm -hmm. up for romance novels and I really like these types of covers because again you didn't know nobody looking at you knew what the book was mm. about if there was like a busty man with his chest out 
then my mom would have known what I was reading. People on the bus would have known what I was reading. Everybody would have known. So this, because this cover was so generic, it could have just been any sort of like Pride and Prejudice-esque girly book, but not anything specific. So I really liked these covers. Also, one of the things, and I don't know if anybody else who's brown in any sort of way can like relate to this, but because there's no people on the cover, it doesn't inherently give you the race Mm. of the characters Mm -hmm. within. And it doesn't, like, predispose you to having them look a certain way. In the book, they describe what the people look like. But in general, in most books, I don't care about the description that the author gives. I pick, like, a general idea of what that person looks like that is pleasing to my own mm-hmm. brain. And that that's what I input there. Like, I, I know she has, like, red hair and, you know, whatever. And I think he's blonde. And I don't enjoy blonde men so much. So he wasn't blonde in my mind, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I totally, for some reason, thought he was, like, a brunette in my mind. I know. I don't remember her. I feel like any character who's, like, devilish immediately becomes, like, darker in my mind. Because he's, dar- he's a dark character. Therefore, his hair is dark. <laughs> I don't know. I told you, half the time I make all of, if it's a white guy in a... In a romance novel, he's Italian. Oh, always okay. looks Italian. Like, <laughs> they always look Italian in my mind. They're, unless <laughs> or they're Greek freaking per, from Scotland. Greek, perhaps. <laughs> yes, Greek, Greek-esque, yes. Uh, Moroccan. Mm, mm, um, Moroccan. But if... Shani, can I tell yes, you a quick you tangent about Moroccans? Oh, my God. I went to Morocco. First of all, Morocco is one of my favorite places in the entire world, and I would love to own a Riyadh and, like, spend a few months a year there because it is magical. And I love it so much. And I shopped in the Sooks and I drank tea and I bargained every day and it was just the best. Their food is unbelievable. Their street food is out of this world. The most beautiful people inside and out, but I'm talking about outside because that's obviously what I'm talking about right now. So I was with my friend and we were walking through this market and I swear to God, I saw Jake Gyllenhaal and I was like, oh my motherfucking Jesus. Cause this was, you know, uh, I don't know, 2009. So this is a long time ago. And mm. I was like, it's Jake Gyllenhaal right over there. He was the Moroccan Jake Gyllenhaal because he looked Ooh. like Jake Gyllenhaal, but a little bit more swarthy. Like think Prince of Persia Jake Gyllenhaal, but actually from a region where there are browner people. And it's not just yeah. him with a fake tan. <laughs> and this guy was so good looking. And we were like, looking at each other across this thing. He was at like a different outdoor eating place than I was, but we were like maybe 25 feet away from each other, like given the eyes, given the smiles. Oh my God, he walked up. Shani, when I say that as he was walking, I was like, oh, he gon' mm. get it. <laughs> he gon' <laughs> get it. And then he smiled at me and I was like, oh, you don't have Western dental health here. <laughs> and every time I read books like this, I always laugh because... They always mention, like, he had good teeth. And I'm, like, so important to mention because, first of all, English people as, like, a general stereotype don't have great teeth. Maybe the last 20 years, non, you know, notwithstanding. And good teeth are really important because I took one look at that man's teeth and I was like, nope, can't stick my tongue in there. Nope, sure can't do it. (laughs) Nope. Even though he was probably one of the top 10 most beautiful people I've ever seen in real life, I was like, sure can't do it. Sure can't yeah. do it. Sorry, sir. I cannot yeah. be a party to what you are offering. You are so beautiful. I wish you hadn't smiled and I could live in <laughs> ignorance, but you did. Anyways, let's continue on with the book, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great tangent. Thank you. 
It's a great ditch. Um, so anyway, so yes, about the book cover, like in general, I get to pick what the people look like and I don't have an image that's been placed in my mind as to what they look like. That's fair. Um, because I generally disregard it. I I honestly (laughs) generally do anyway. So like the, the, you know, authors obviously describe the characters in the books, but even when I'm reading books with like fucking aliens or werewolves or I mean, anything, I, it doesn't matter what they describe that person as. In my mind, they are what I want them to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's it. Are they sometimes for you, like, not even a, a person, but a general energy? Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes I find that I don't, that I'm not actually picturing a person, but just a vibe of a person, like a, yeah. like a energy ball of a person. Yeah, like, or like, know, I, like I equate them to a certain type of, oh, like, I know that twit. Like, it, for me, it's like more things like, oh, I know that twinkle in the eye. Or I know that, like, yeah. that, like, like the way he looks at her with that, like, rakish, like, oh, I'm going to do bad things to you. Like, oh, I know that energy. I've been, I, okay, now I know who it is. It's that, it's that, it's yes. that look. Oh, I know that, like, you know, down home guy who's going to, like, build you a fucking pergola in your backyard without asking like oh i've met him like okay okay (laughs) sweet love i see you let's get married like i i that's how i do it it's more like the 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 moments or the for less energy for me and more uh like pieces of them that i that i latch on to like the 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 dirty talk okay i know you dirty talker okay i know you okay (laughs) Well, because, like, I remember when we were doing the Black Dagger Brotherhood, somebody on YouTube made, like, you know, the be- the casting of the Black Dagger mm-hmm. Brotherhood, right? Who would play each role. And they did it according to the descriptions in the book. But as I was looking at it, I was like, this is not how I nope. picture these people. And then I realized, like, when I read books, especially with, like, Rage Beast or this and that, I don't picture this ultra-huge man with rippling muscles who can lift me up and with by my neck and throw me up against the wall. All I feel when I feel that person is the energy of lifting up and putting against the wall. He he carries that. He's got big dick energy. Big dick energy. Big dick energy throughout the book. But I don't actually have this rippling picture of muscles yep. and this and that or whatever. It's just that energy. I could bl- that's why know? I think it's so hard to cast to transform books into movies is because you have a purists who are like, no, they have to be exactly as described and like he's supposed to be six foot four and he's six foot uh and then you also have people who are like, you know, like Bridgerton's is a great example where they cast colorblind. And so there's a bunch of characters in the book who are obviously in the books, they're all white. But in the the show, I think, what did we say? There's three people of color in the main cast. I think there's at least four. three or four people of color. And which I. They all look blackish. They all look blackish. Yeah. Some version of. Yeah. Of mixed. They're, they're all. I, I think they're all. The. I mean, it's a little bit slightly one of my pet peeves. I'll say it, and I won't say on the soapbox too long. Um, but I always have a problem when they cast black people, but they only cast people who look more light mixed skinned, than more anything else. Skinned. And light, yeah, light skin, mm-hmm. uh, looser curly sure. hair, that type of thing. Um, you know, I wish they would not do that so much. But I think all the girls that we saw in the in the at least the article that we read were kind of like that. Um, so just for next time, Netflix, you know, like. I know we're doing baby steps, but for next time, you know, mix it up a little bit more. Yeah. That's what I'm just although, okay, although technically, we have not heard what yeah. the if they're gonna talk about it at all, or if they're gonna have some sort of like maybe mixed race pairing as parents. So perhaps they're adding it into the story as well. Who knows? 
Maybe. But I we'll see. We're gonna generally have to, we're doing a watch along, so we're all gonna find out yeah, together. Generally, that's so true. Watch with us, you guys. Generally, I agree with you though that in all aspects, I would like to see a better range. Because it's nice to see a more realistic range. I think the same thing about everything. A better range of body types, a better range of male to female, a better range of colors within each group, a better, you know, just like a better range of everything, you know? Because it's nice. Life is life is a nice melting pot, especially here in the U.S. And it would be great if all of that was just reflected. Well, having having conversations with my dad, I realized that he really thinks that the world looks like TV. Yeah, tons of people so do. He thinks, yeah. So you know, and that that's so many people. And when I have, a, I talk to him and stuff. You know, he has certain feelings about certain types of people and certain whatever. And uh, that's just that's just who he's gonna be till he dies. But like, I I talk to him all the time, and I'm like, Dad, you know that this is like not real life, right? Like, these people exist everywhere and these pairings exist everywhere and they have the right to exist mm-hmm. and you know, whatever. And he's like, wow, it's not, it's not normal. I wasn't raised that way. I was like, just because you weren't raised that way. Some people weren't raised with you. Yeah. People weren't raised with whatever, you know, but it's always, um, you know, I think that's why it's so important that TV reflects real life. Yep. It's like, it is quite literally life or death. TV reflecting real life is life or death. I mean, that, yeah, absolutely. Representation just matters. I mean, like, I don't care what anyone says. Like, it actually matters. I mean, even if you think about, like, when Will and Grace was on TV and they had, like, the first male-on-male kiss and it was, like, a massive deal. And that was the first time that a lot of people in the the U.S. had seen that ever in two characters that they really liked and watched every week on TV. And, like, that's just, like, so... It seems like oh, like especially now because like we've had we have so much more diversity on TV now than we used to, especially with all the different streaming platforms. Like it, it is so much more diverse than it was 25 years ago when there was only three three yeah. networks and there was only you know 15 shows total or whatever. But yeah, it is it's pretty incredible, especially like all of the you know one thing I appreciate since me and my husband are not of the the same race, so we have a biracial marriage is that you see a lot more pairings that aren't like, oh, there's two white characters who are married and two black characters who are married and two Mexican characters who are married who are all friends, but everyone's only married to the you know the person who's of their color. And I appreciate yeah. that now in shows, there'll be a lot of different, um, which I appreciate because I think that that's something that as the generations go forward will be an even more like, oh, yeah, why would it be a big deal if they're a different race? Like, that doesn't matter at all, which I am excited. Not at I'm excited all. for that to be a thing. And I'm very excited for that. And quick back on Soapbox, <laughs> again, to Netflix. because <laughs> Honestly, because I only really watch Netflix. Okay, okay Hulu, I, I just don't really watch Hulu that much. <laughs> but so many fucking fantasy shows, so many werewolf, vampire, mythical creature shows. Yeah. Why are they all white? And they will cast... They're always, the the leads are always white. They'll cast, like, even one has, like, his brother is black. Um, but he's white, and the main girl is mm-hmm. white. And it's it's one thing if that's one show, but every show on Netflix that is that, which I look for all those paranormal, paranormal shows, shows, looks exactly the same. Like, they... Like, they duplicated the show and just gave it a different name. And that annoys me because their mythical fucking characters yeah. mix it I agree. up. A hundred, a hundred percent. It, like, you're a yes. mythical creature. Every single color should be represented. Just like every mythical creature is described as being different. 
and having different yeah. features and different tentacles and different wings and all kinds of stuff it makes no sense that they all be like when they're quote unquote pretending to be human or glamoring themselves, they all glamour themselves into like hot six foot tall white dudes, like with a Bieber <laughs> swoosh. It's like, I'm sorry, that doesn't make any sense. Although I do want to tell you one funny thing that I heard, which is everyone was clamoring for Idris Elba to be the new James Bond a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, I remember And that. I was obviously on board because Idris Elba is a snack. And I was like, I will watch the <laughs> shit out of Idris Elba. I'm going to eat him like oh, a snack. Oh, my God. Shaking up a martini. Oh, I was like, mm, I will watch. The-. And then someone was like, he can't be Bond. And everyone was like outraged. And they're like, have you ever been to Scotland? Everyone would know who he is. They'd be like, you know, bad guys would be running around. Have you seen James Bond? They, oh, yeah, I saw him. He's right over there. He's running over there to the pub. Did you see him now? He's right over there, love. And, like, the bad guys would be like, oh, and he'd be running, 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 running. And then they'd be like, oh, there he is. Oh, I see him. He's over there again. And they'd be like, he'd be like, oh, do you guys keep finding me? And they'd be like, oh, because you're the only black man in Scotland. <laughs> and I was like, that's fucking hysterical because it's so true. It's such a white country. England... I mean, England, especially London, is very mixed. But, like, the countryside of England, I don't think, is very diverse. And or at least yeah. when I was wandering around it, it did not seem very diverse. And so I was like, oh, that's so true. You have people like, oh, yeah, no. Oh, I saw him. It's right, right, right over to the pub over there yonder. <laughs> I was like, the best thing in the world. <laughs> Anyways, okay. That's all I have to say about James Bond. <laughs> okay. All right. Back to the devil. In okay. So let me tell you guys <laughs> a quick uh, synopsis. Okay, so basically we already talked about this, but Evangeline, who is called Evie throughout the book, is about to inherit from her dad. Her dad runs a gambling hall that's very famous and has tons and tons of money. He's going to leave it all to her. She's the only child he's ever acknowledged, except for he didn't actually raise her himself. He had her mother, who died in childbirth, raise her and— or her family, rather, not the dead ghost of the mother, but her her mother's family raised her. And they were, as Shani said, trigger warnings, but child abuse, neglect, horrible to her, um, hit her on occasion, uh, beat her up as she started getting older and saying that she wasn't going to marry her cousin, and they only wanted her to marry him because they wanted her inheritance. And so she does the only thing she can think of, which is go to Sebastian, who is a Viscount, Hear how I said it right? Viscount. I didn't say Viscount this I time. I like it. I like that. Was se- that was sexy. Uh, Viscount. And he had already kidnapped her friend, so she knew he was desperate and knew he was a bad guy and that he would uh, just agree to this because he needed her money as much as she needed his title and protection. So she literally shows up like late at night and is like, yo, this what it is, bro. Like, <laughs> you fucked over my friend and you're a bad dude. However, the people chasing me are worse than you. So I'd rather have you than them. I need your protection. You're going to take me to Scotland tonight. We about to get married. Let's do this. And he's just like, that sounds insane. Let's do it. So they get in the thing, go to Scotland. <laughs> no, it was more like, that sounds insane. I need the money. Yeah, Let's that's true. It. I need the money, though. Okay, I'm in. So they go, get married, consummate the marriage, and come back. And basically, she wants to nurse her dad to, you know, through his last days or weeks of of the cons- of the consumption of per- tuberculosis. And he walks into the gambling hall and all of a sudden he's like, has this new energy where he's like, oh, wait a minute, I want to see the books. I want to like, what's going on here? Like, And he kind of finds a purpose through running the club. 
while she takes care of her dad. And then they have to, of course, fight off the villainous relatives and a villainous half-brother she never knew she had. And, you know, all with the help of, what was the name of her, um, the one she thought was her half-brother? Cam. Cam. Cam, who's half-gypsy and she thought was her half-brother, but is not. And... And that's kind of, and they, of course, you know, slowly fall in love, which I actually enjoyed the slowness of their falling in love um, because yeah. he's like, well, we should have sex again. And she's like, I don't want to have sex with you again. I got everything I wanted out of this. And he's like, wait, <laughs> I want to have sex with you. And she's like, well, if you can like not have sex for three whole months, then I'll have sex with you. But I don't want to be like another notch on your bedpost. And so that's kind of where the story uh, unwinds. Like we talked in other podcasts about how personally I like when the relationship development is a big um, plot mm-hmm. point. And for me, I think the way that their relationship and the problems they're encountering uh, is a plot point for me. So it doesn't necessarily always have to be like huge other outside. There were some outside things that were pulling on their relationship, but a big part of the story was them figuring out what is their new normal. Yep. And I like that a lot. Okay, so the family comes a couple times, um, but I didn't feel like they were like a huge draw on like the story. I really felt like a lot of it for me was focused on her and Mm -hmm. him. And I liked that, you know, she very much was like, first of all, can we talk about their morning after marriage? Yes, please. For a second. Because, oh my goodness. First of all, the idea of like getting woken up to like a seduction. Mm And, like, sex is just so delicious. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've never been woken up with sex, tell somebody you like to wake you up mm-hmm. with sex. If they're if they're good at it, you know. But let them tell them, wait till you're dead asleep. Dead, dead yeah. asleep. And then stroke wake you up with your sex. Back, stroke your back. Stroke your nipples. Thank me. Thank me later. Thank me later. Stroke your hair. <laughs> mm. Yes. Mm. And you don't even, you start waking up, you don't even know what's happening. You're just in, like, mm-hmm. euphoria. And it's, like, ugh, some of the greatest sex you'll have. But anyways, that scene was freaking was hot. And I think it hot. set the tone. Yes, it set the tone for how this book was going to go sex-wise. Yes. And first of all, the balance of this book being beautifully historical and well-written with also having the like some of the dirtiest, lovely sex mm-hmm. scenes. Like Lisa Claypass. She's, like, a, she's a clap, clap, clap. She's a bomb bitch. The other two books I read by her, I really enjoyed as well. I was like, okay, I see what you're putting down. I'm picking it back up. And I see why you are a bestseller. And I appreciate you and everything you do. And I appreciate you. It can be done. It can be done. I liked that, first of all, 100% agree that sex scene was hot as hell. But one of the things that I liked the best about it was that, so obviously it's a marriage of convenience. But he immediately is like, it's a marriage of convenience, but you're my wife and people will treat you as such. And like he and 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 he's like, and you will treat yourself as such. Like you're not some like yeah. wallflower anymore. Like you're a Viscountess, bitch. You're rich as hell. Like you got power. You better wield that. <laughs> and I liked that every time people were like trying to make her uncomfortable or trying to kidnap her or whatever, he was like back off my shit or like you know he kept getting jealous of cam and anytime a man looked at her he was like get away from my wife stop looking at my wife and like i i liked that (laughs) like you know like like you were talking about earlier that asshole but like only nice to you i like that against his like initial thoughts he didn't think he would be that way but once he was like no 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 she's mine now 
I wasn't in, I, I, you know, this may have been convenient, but she mine now and I'm going to keep her and you better yeah. back off my stuff. <laughs> I liked that about this book. I did too. And I, I liked how it grew gradually over time. I like that he always referred to her, even from the beginning, as my yeah. love. He would always, he had all these endearments mm-hmm. and they were cheeky mm-hmm. at first and he was like kind of making fun. And over the course of the book, I felt like as she um, got more confident, her stutter stopped like the stutter she started the book with stopped um and i think as the book went on for him the more he would say terms of endearment the more sincere they got as the book went on and that was kind of a very visual way of being able to follow their progression because there was moments where he would say it where you're like oh that hits different than it did in the beginning when he's like all right love you know (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) versus like i'm gonna take care of you my love like it was just it just hit different, and um, and I really loved that aspect of him. I like speaking of bitch. There was one scene where he called her a bitch, and I, <laughs> I, I broke out laughing because I don't think ever, I don't think I can remember any romance novel, historical romance novel, where the main character calls like the girl a bitch. <laughs> And it was, I felt like it was kind of justified. It came out, it came out of nowhere for me, but it was also like very funny because she was referring to him as a dog. She's like, I won't sleep with you. You're a dog. And he's like, you're a bitch. If we're, she's like, if we're throwing around dog references, you're a bitch. I know. <laughs> yeah. All because his like, pride damn. was all plucked because she didn't want to have sex with him again. He's like, hmm, you're a bitch then. If I'm a dog, you're a bitch. Meh. I do like I do like that so a lot of the fun of historical so far this season has been like the getting around the propriety rules so like oh we can't have sex however I'm gonna pop that titty out (laughs) or oh we can't have sex however I'm gonna like lick your pussy till you scream (laughs) you know what I mean like things like that and I thought it was kind of fun that they had that incredibly hot sex scene at the beginning of the book and then kind of, like, worked their way back up to another one with, like, him being like, you know, you didn't tell me where I could kiss you, you know? And he's like... Oh, that's my That was my quote, quote too. I I loved it. And (laughs) I I thought that was really fun that he was like, I may only be with you, but I'm still a rake. So he's still, like, constantly trying to cop a feel. He's still constantly trying to, like, drag her into dark (laughs) corners and ravish her. Like, he's... I thought that was a really... um, I thought that was a really fun twist because I feel like a lot of times the rake could feel like, oh, he's reformed and now he's like vanilla and virginal and like proper yeah. and only treating her with like this the respect she deserves. And it's like, no, <laughs> if I'm wearing a rake, like I want that man to be whispering some nasty shit in my ear trying to convince nasty me shit. to do some weird ass crap shit. in public or whatever. Like I want... <laughs> You know, I want the threat of him, like, yanking me into a closet to be always imminent. <laughs> and I felt like that was this book, so. Yeah, I felt like in the beginning, too, like, um, kind of going along the story, I felt like he was a little bit blustery in his, like, you know, thou dost protest too much kind of way. Where, mm-hmm. like, so in the beginning, one of the quotes I picked was, lust after my own wife, it implies that one doesn't have the means to keep it. I thought that was cute. I thought right? that was cute. I was like, oh, historicals with your cute little things. Yes. <laughs> And I thought that was such a great line. First off, like, there were so many good lines in this mm-hmm. book um, that I'm just like, wow, some of the insightfulness in romance novels is really lost on the fact that people just treat them as, like, throwaway mm-hmm. books in a way. 
but um i i really felt like like there was a po- certain point in time where he said like oh i'm going to you know send you away and she's like okay so i can sleep with anybody and he's like yeah yeah sure sure and i really felt like he was just trying to keep up his bravado oh for sure for sure you know what i mean sure. but he like but he really did oh, care oh yeah for <laughs> sure he's like yeah yeah sure i mean um wait a minute hold on <laughs> Let me rethink this. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. You know, and I like that uh, Evie along the book, like in the beginning, she's a bit more timid mm-hmm. um, and she does have that stutter. Um, and throughout the book, you see her using her voice more and putting her foot down more um, until the end where she's just like, like the 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 end scene where he's going to send her mm-hmm. away. Um, I thought could have gone so drastically wrong. And the author wrote it for me very nicely where there wasn't this whole miscommunication type thing that happened and he sent her away and there was a whole Mm -hmm. whatever he's like i'm gonna send you away and she was like no no you're not because i love you you love me why are we gonna pretend we're not doing this thing like this is if you send me away i'll just find my way back like that's what's gonna happen here and i was like yes just tell him what's gonna happen because in life most of the time you have to tell your dude what's gonna happen i don't care what anybody says they, they have their own ideas, and you just tell them what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So true. <laughs> um, <laughs> one, I agree. Okay, I want to quickly dip back, because this is one of my other favorite lines, and you were talking about how, like, this book had so many good quotes about just life in general. And one of the things yeah. was uh, morality is only for the middle classes, sweet. The lower class can't afford it, and the upper classes have entirely too much leisure time to fill. And I thought that was so true because the yeah. only people, <laughs> like people who are lower class and who are working for their next meal and to keep a roof over their head, like they don't have time for propriety. They don't have time for like whatever you claim is the perfect morals. They're just trying to keep their family alive and keep moving on to the next day. And then people who are super rich, as we clearly see all the time in our country and our media and like when all this stuff gets uncovered, like they have way too much time and money to care about morality. So they're doing some (laughs) real fucking dark stuff. Whether it's not even just immoral, but like illegal and wrong a lot of times. And then not not that there aren't nice upper class people. I'm not hating at all. Upper class yeah. people. You guys know what I'm saying. And then Yeah, but they come up with some weird shit. Weird to do, shit. Man. They got so, so much, much time money. they can do with some so weird ass shit. And then and then you have the the middle classes who are the ones who are like, you know, harping on everything and trying to keep everything like in the perfect little box they think everything should be in. And who, what fun is is that box? What fun is that? Everyone should just be living the life they want to live, you know? Like I said, and I'm not going to go ahead into it, but last podcast I talked about it. Like, everybody that I am finding that got married and did, like, the, the very traditional thing, and I'm not harping on the traditional thing. Like, do, you know, do what you want to do. But everybody I know who felt like they had to do that mm. is now either getting divorced or um, they're drastically unhappy in their situationships. And that, to me, like, you know, that status quo of, like, oh, I got to do the thing. I got to get married. I got to well, have, like, We've been living together for two years. We probably should get married now. 
Yeah. Like, no, you shouldn't. If you don't like, think you should, no. don't do it. <laughs> they might not be the right person for you. There might be someone else. Yeah. If that person, if it's not, if it's not a resounding yes in your mind, I don't think mm-hmm. you should marry someone. And if no, you have not I, I, I talked through the practicalities of being someone's wife and or husband or partner, however you would like to define it, do not marry that person. Because let me tell you right now, I'm married. I got them babies. I got that house. We got the car. You know, like, it. but it's a lot of practical decision making. Like, when to have a child, how many children to have, where to buy your house, what kind of house, how much are you willing to spend on a house? Like, what, you know, states will you move if someone gets a new job? How are you going to run your finances? Are you going to be very tight with your finances? Are you going to be very generous with your finances? Are you going to, like, all of that stuff is so important because it's just, like, stuff that can, like, really build up a lot of resentment if someone isn't on the same expectation page as you. And that Mm -hmm. is my, like, we got married in a Catholic church. Excuse me. And I think one of the best things about it was that we had to do, it was mandatory to get married there. We had to do a pre-wedding class and like questionnaire that had like 150 questions on it. And after that, they like show you how compatible you are in every, so they have like faith, finances, family, um, career or some shit. I don't remember what the categories were, but they they tell you what your compatibility is in each category and what questions you answered in like, separately or differently so that and then we mm-hmm. met with someone at the church to talk through all the different categories and like talk through each section that we had and we were really i mean we were at like 90 percent in all categories except for i think one we were like an eight like we were very compatible because we had already talked through everything and knew like what we were okay with but yeah. like and she told us some horror stories about someone who got married and they didn't tell their future partner that they had like $200,000 in college debt. And I was like, oh my God, I would have lost my fucking mind. I would have been so mad. Um, but anyways, those are things that you should definitely talk about ahead of time. Just a, just a couple little things. Little like a hundred questions. Throw it on the table. <laughs> you should know what the fuck you're getting into. Well, there was also like this one aspect of this book where and I'm going to chalk it up to Sebastian's blustering as well, where he was talking about, well, I should give you a baby. You know, you'd be good with a baby. Yeah. You know, that'll give you something yeah. to do. And she was like, well, you're going to be involved with the baby? He's like, no, 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 no. no, no. no. Like, <laughs> that, that'll be I'm your baby. a man of um, but, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, that's my gift to yeah. you. And I'm, I'm like, a baby? Like, oh, thank you. Fuck you. I don't want that gift. <laughs> I'm a fucking vice countess with unlimited funds. I don't I'm gonna be I'm gonna be out riding horses with my friends. I'm gonna be out picnicking and going to my summer home. I don't need your baby. A, I got things. I don't to need do. your baby. <laughs> you know, but I found out through the interwebs that uh her book Devil in Spring uh-huh. is actually Evie and Sebastian's son's book. Wait, what? Uh, which I thought is a Yeah, there's Another book in another series, oh, like a different gotcha, gotcha, series. Gotcha. So not the fourth, not the fourth book in this series. Not the fourth oh, book gotcha. in this, in this okay. series. It's actually book three in a different oh, series, fun. and that's actually their oh, son. That's fun. And I was like, oh, that's really cute. I, I sometimes I'm skeptical though. Like when there is characters that I really, really mm-hmm. like, and then I read them as like old folks in another book and another love story. Sometimes it's weird for me. Sometimes I'm like, no, I want to leave them as the picture mm-hmm. of the book that I had mm-hmm. of them, but I actually don't care enough about Evie and Sebastian in this book to care that, you know, or whatever. 
So let me, but it would be, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Let me tell you really quickly that I looked up the fourth book because I knew it was going to be her friend. And then her friend had that really good interlude with Cam in the like secret room. And I was like, oh, it's going to be her and Cam. And then it's not. And I was like, well, I'm not reading that book now. I just wanted even. I just wanted Cam to be with her, and I was all excited. Wait, I, I, it's not him. That was Cam. It's not Cam who does the interlude in who the. Who is it? In when she goes through the secret door. It? Uh, I don't. Uh, uh Derek. Derek. Uh, I don't remember their name, but it wasn't Cam because I thought it was Cam at first. I had to rewind the audio book, and I think it's somebody else. What? Because I thought. I thought it was Cam too when we when I was first reading it because I like I've taken to when I listen to an audiobook now to give it designated time where I just sit down, do nothing else, and just listen to the audiobook. Mm-hmm. Um but when I do this, sometimes I fall asleep. <laughs> so <laughs> So this happened where I kind of dozed off and I was like I had to wake back up and rewind. Um and I'm pretty sure it was somebody else in that little secret hallway, and it wasn't Cam. Now, I could be wrong, because I'm not 100% sure who it was, but it was hot. Okay, well, if it's not Cam and it's whoever is in the next book, then I guess I'll accept it. But I thought for sure it was Cam. Because he was, like, working at the thing. You guys, can you please be better at reading than we are and tell us who the fuck was in that closet with her? Because that (laughs) scene was hot as shit, and I was so excited for book four. And then I thought it wasn't going to be the same person, and I was like, well, fuck this noise. I'm not reading this book. (laughs) Well, if you want to read about Cam, Mine Till Midnight is Cam's story. I don't know what book that is in which series, but it's called Mine Till Midnight. Yeah, but I and only wanted it to Cam. be if it was her. I mean, if it was the same interlude. Sorry to crush your bubble, Bridge. The bubble <laughs> is officially crushed, you guys. If you could see my face right now, I'm pouting because I am She's not happy sad. about this. <laughs> that said, I did think it was really nice when her friends came to visit and they were like sure that she had been kidnapped by him. And she like invites them in to like have tea and is like totally happy. And they're like, oh, well, we thought we were going to have to save you. Okay, well, uh, sure. I guess we'll stay. Okay. Right. You're fine? Okay. Abort plan. And she, like, sends the Duke, her husband, to make sure that that yeah. everything's okay and, like, snatch her if need be. <laughs> um, and they invite her to, like, live basically forever at his estates if she needs somewhere to stay. Which, you know, is another thing about these books because, obviously, they're typically the very, very wealthy, you know, like, Ton members and stuff like that. And if I was to offer, like, for instance, you, if you needed a place to stay indefinitely, Shawnee, we don't have that much room mm-hmm. at my house, okay? I could find <laughs> you somewhere to live and make you your own little room, and it would work if we had to do it. However, I don't have, like, a 25-room house where you could have your own little suite and a dressing suite and your own bathroom and, like, your own sitting parlor or whatever the fuck and, like, basically your own little <laughs> apartment within my home. I don't have that. So I always enjoy when they're when I have to recalibrate and they're like, oh, we had this party stay for three weeks. And I'm like, this party of 20 people? And then I'm like, oh yeah, you live in a giant mansion estate home in England. Okay, okay, yeah, sure. Okay, sure. You have you have a hundred servants. Okay, yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm not who's cleaning up after you? Who's cooking for all these fucking people? I'm not cooking for all these fucking people. <laughs> so I do want to quickly talk about one note of the book that I was like, mm, that feels a little douchey. So he gets shot. So her, 
One of the guys who works at the club ends up actually being her half-brother, who she didn't know about. And he always kind of gave her the mm-hmm. heebie-jeebies. And it turns out that he has a disease, which is actually making him insane. And yeah. But he doesn't know like it. Syphilis, syphilis or, or something. something. Is, is it no, syphilis? No, it's something else. But it's making him literally insane and corrupting okay. his mind. And so he is the one who gets bribed to, and her uncles try to steal her and snatch her away. And Sebastian saves her and fights for her. And then he comes back and he tries to shoot her and Sebastian takes the bullet for her. And then she's like nursing him back to health but doesn't know anything about doctoring because this is back in the day. And uh, the Duke comes and he's been on the battlefields. And so he's like, well, it's getting infected so let's try some dramatic shit. And Cam is half gypsy. So he's like, well, I know all these herbs that like our gypsy healer would use. So let me get all those. Let's just try everything. So they put this concoction together that I'm like, Fucking turpentine, alcohol. Like, it had all of, like, the killer, bacteria killers all in. And he, like, injects it. And they, like, scrape the wound, inject it. I mean, they do what you need to do to clean a wound. I was happy that the description was, like, at least realistic for me, where I'm like, oh, that would get rid of an infection. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, So, anyway, so he gets better after, like, four days or five days. And he's still (laughs) not having sex with her because it's within the three-month period. And he actually really wants to be with her, so he wants to, like, make it. And she, like, hops on that D, even though he's saying, no, I want to (laughs) wait. And then, and he just got shot by a gun. And I'm like, I don't care if you're doing all the work. When a man is having sex, even if he's on the bottom, he is flexing his abs and his chest muscles because that's how the body works. And I was like, you know what? It was too soon. He would have ripped that wound open. This is a stu- She should have yeah. said it was two weeks later or three weeks later. I'm like, five days? I'm like, yeah. what is he, a fucking miracle? And then <laughs> he keeps saying, like, no, I don't want to have sex. And she's like, shh, it doesn't matter because it's me. And I was like, no, B, you like, you instated these rules. You need to respect his no. I didn't like that scene very much. <laughs> so, I, so I agree with you when I was like, how long has it yeah, been? Way too like, fucking you know, soon. Yeah, so I thought it was kind of too soon. I was like okay with her like giving him a blowjob, yeah, like a sick, a sick yeah. blowjob, yeah, or I'm whatever. Down for a blowjob. But then like, ho- yeah, like hopping on. I was like, first of all, I didn't really care. So he was, he was like, no, I'm too weak. He kept saying like, no, I'm too weak, no, I'm too weak. But it was weird because like, it's like one of those things where, like, I don't know the way the author described it, it was like you're kind of into it. But he was also like, no, but he wanted to keep his promise or whatever. And she's like, look, the promise. She's like, I'm about to make you break this, prom- this I promise know. right now. It was like, it was very, it was very weird. I like but it. I didn't um, like it, Shawnee. I did. I don't like it. I, I know. I know you didn't like it, Bridget. Like, to me, there was no moment where I felt like he was like, all right, let's There go. wasn't. Like, I, I there was no, he no, never said, okay. He was like, the whole time he was like, no, I want to prove to you I can do this. I want to prove it to myself. She was like, I yeah. don't care. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> she was like, I don't care about it. I agree. Bet. And I, I agree with you. She could have just given him a blowjob because he had already given her some good kind of lingus a couple times. And so I was like, yeah. oh, that could have been a nice, like, sit back and relax. Like, let me treat you. You know? Yeah. Treat yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, look at a little yeah. glue. Uh, you know, so yeah, that was, I did think like, I was like, how injured is he? Because, Dude, like, he was on death's door. To, to be ridden? <laughs> he was bedridden. He had fevers. He got shot. And then like five days later, they're like, he's up and walking around. And I was like, no, he 
he's fucking not. I was on modern medicine, had knee surgery, and I was, let me tell you, not up and walking around five days later. I had a C-section, modern medicine again. I was on Percocet. I wasn't just like, let me cavalierly get have sex right now. No, thank you. Yeah. No. False. Uh, yeah, there was... <laughs> There was a, a lot of that. And then her, like, her weird uh, half-brother or possible half-brother situation. Yeah, like, then he came back at the very that, end. That he was, actually wasn't dead. I well, was like, they went to the mental hospital. Was, they thought he was dead. And then it yeah, turned... Which I knew, I he, knew wasn't. he wasn't. I was like, oh, well, he's clearly yeah. alive. And then he yeah. was clearly alive. Somehow got into their room, which I was like, that seems suspicious. Yeah. How? He, like, used yeah. the secret... One of the secret... Things and I'm like, you should have blocked all the knew. secret doors. This is stupid. And yeah. then he almost kills her, and Cam like shoots him, and it all works out okay, obviously. But I was just like, you know what? You gotta double tap a motherfucker. You can't just be letting other people tell you he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, I just kind of was. I was like, like it's either gonna be that, that guy or it's gonna be her uncle's coming one more time, or something, or her aunt yeah. or whatever. I mean. In in general, like the uncle's coming didn't make sense to me, and him coming again still didn't quite make sense to me. I mean, they justified it with like he's insane, he's not thinking straight, he can't, you know, whatever. The description of him though being like super pox yeah, and his face gross. blistering off and whatever was so, so disgusting. Gross. Oh my freaking god! But like it definitely um, when he came back at the very end, I was like, predictable. Yeah. Very predictable. I thought the ending in general was the worst part of the book for me. Probably. Like, probably I was right. like five, six of the way in. I was like, I love this. this is a five-star read. And then the ending, I was like, meh. And then the the epilogue, yeah. I was like, oh, that's cute that he's like, oh, we're going to go to these events. Then I'm going to like, you know, be the wallflower with you and then like seduce you into dark corners. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Um, that's nice. I was okay with them actually but, ending the book where he had died and they had buried him and he was no longer a threat. Done. Like I was done. Sold. 100% happy with Sold. that ending. And then when he came back one last time I was like we really? didn't need it. Come on man. He, ser- he already served leprosy? his purpose. As a story yeah, like, like device I thought it was one too many because also it was like one too many times of her being in threat because it was like yeah. the uncles came once the uncles kidnapped her came twice which by the way once they found out she was married like they, I guess they were going to try and annul it that was like their plan um, that was their plan then yeah. he came and tried to get her twice it would have only worked for me if she had saved herself too much because then it would have she would have come full circle from right. like that whole timid thing in the beginning yeah of the like book, if it and it would have given her a, a like redemption of like her own redemption yeah. but the fact that she didn't even save herself yeah had it been like I the uncle like, one more time or something like that and then she yeah. like sh- the uncle would have been that great motherfucker she- or something. or she like beat yes. his ass with a cane or whatever and like yes because remember when Cam was saying oh you have to let so he Cam is watching Cam and her we'll yeah Cam and her are watching um, Sebastian fight her uncle who's like a big dude man and Cam's commentary was like oh I should have tripped him <laughs> like he's like he's like telling her what he should have been doing during the fight. Oh, he's fighting too gentlemanly. He should have gouged his eyes out there. Like all this stuff, which is I thought was hysterical. Um I like the the line where he says, Have you ever fought like this? When when Sebastian says to Cam, like, did you ever fight like this? And Cam's like, No. <laughs> and Cam's like, you she's like, go stop this, Cam. And Cam's like, oh, he has to fight this battle himself to gain everyone's respect and yada yada. Which happened twice, and I was like, all right, okay, he already did it once. Like, y'all could just jump in and save him now. Like, this is fine. Um, yeah. What do I pay yeah, you right? for? Yeah, what right? Is, what is your purpose here if I'm not paying you for this? But I wish that, like, 
I don't know, Cam had like shown her a thing or two or something like that. And then later she like tripped the guy, you know what I mean? Like used one of his, oh, he should have gouged his eyes out. And then she like remembers that and gouges his eyes out or something like that. I, he didn't actually say gouge his eyes out. I don't know why I keep saying that, but uh, you get the idea. I get the idea. I do. I pick up what you're putting down. Picking it up, picking it up, picking it up. (laughs) Anyways, that's all I really have to say about Uh, this book. Before our ratings, I'll be. I like that Cam was like a Romani. And I think he was mixed, like half Irish, half Romani. Romani. Half Romani. And um, he, I like that he had a saying for everything. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> every, and sometimes it was kind of fucked up. And there was one time where he was saying a saying to Sebastian, and Sebastian didn't quite appreciate it. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. And also, like, my brain is um, a brain that is always looking for um, patterns mm-hmm. right like naturally in life my brain looks for patterns and so one of the things i just thought was kind of serendipitous and sometimes when we're reading these books we find that there's something to do with real life happening mm-hmm. in the books so one we just did an interview with evie mm-hmm. dunmore and i was like and our main character's name yeah. is evie like that's super cute we just did that like a couple days ago and they were talking about tuberculosis or consumption in the book and he was saying how he found this pamphlet that was talking about these little, uh, you know, organisms that came out of people's lungs and went into healthy people's lungs. And that's how people were getting tuberculosis. So he wanted her to wear a face mm-hmm. covering. And I was like, like COVID. Wear your masks, everyone. <laughs> wear your mask. <laughs> you know, and that was a big point of contention. She was like, no, I don't need to wear a mask with my dad. I want to take care of him. And he's like, you will wear mm-hmm. a mask if you're going to be in that room mm-hmm. with him. <laughs> you know, which I just found also, like a cute little pattern, you know, for what we're going through today in the book. Oh, so that was good finds, Shani. I'm not just a pretty face, Bridget. I'm not just a pretty face. You are face. a pretty face, though. You are but so thank beautiful. You. Thank you, though. So beautiful. <laughs> you guys, if you missed it on Instagram, Shani looked like a celery juice model during our Evie Dunmore <laughs> interview the other day. It was magical. She's magical. Magic. First of all, Evie Dunmore, fucking yeah. magic. Fucking magic. She's and so hot. Bridget, she's a she's fucking a smoke show. She's a 10. Like, she's holy so cow. Good looking. <laughs> when she got on the... So let, let's just... Let me just... Before we go to set break, let me just preface this. Okay, let me let me just set the scene. So I... The, like, the night before our interview, I have just gotten back to L.A. And I'm kind of discombobulated as to what's happening in life in general. And I see on the calendar that we have this interview. And I was like, and it's at 9 a.m. in the morning. And I was like, there's no way this interview is at 9 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> like, Bridget Bridget wouldn't do that to me. She knows <laughs> that I am not a person at 9 a.m. Every time Bridget goes, Sean, you want to come to my house early? I'm like, so we're talking 11? We're talking 11, 12? What? what are we talking? So I just want to preface that, right? So I was like, okay, well, I got to get up early so I can be ready for this 9 o'clock you know, Evie, Evie is in Germany. Have, that is, for all of you wondering why I would yes. do that to Shawnee, she's in Germany and we had to because of the time zone. <laughs> yes. Okay. I found that out later. But before then, I didn't know. I was like, I just got to get it together. So like at seven o'clock, my body wakes up frantic because I'm afraid that I'm going to oversleep mm-hmm. this interview. So I wake up like a, like Frankenstein, like just like, ah, you know, and my hair is unkempt. <laughs> And I'm looking at a hot mess. I got one eye open. I send my partner to, to Starbucks. I'm like, look, just, could you just get me any sort of thing with caffeine in it? Like, immediately. 
So I throw on a t-shirt. I definitely don't have any pants on. Throw like a sheet up behind me. I look a hot mess at best. And Bridget's already been up a couple hours because she got the little one. She put water in her face. She's looking a little fresh. <laughs> refreshed. I don't know that I looked refreshed, but I definitely had already had breakfast. I had already done a few. Her day had I had already, already had a started. few hours of hanging. <laughs> and then when Evie gets on the call, like, Every bit of, like, me looking at myself in the Google Hangout was just like looking at a hot fucking mess. Like, I literally said in my head, Shani, she has been up all day. She had she time did. to put on clothes it was and evening and hair and yeah. everything. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. she. But good yeah. God. Oh, my God. I'm like, if that's her on a regular yeah. day, like, dear, dear goodness. goodness. She was amazing. Also lovely. Great interview, you guys. Yeah. Really thoughtful questions. Or not questions. We answer. We ask questions. Really thoughtful answers to our questions. It was a delight. It was a goddamn delight. I, I will say that Shawnee's skin is popping, you guys. It's always popping. Well, okay. You. And she's been drinking a lot of celery juice, so it's even better now. A lot of celery Her juice. hair, I will admit, <laughs> has seen a better, better days. I need a she barber. Needs, she needs so, a barber. Okay, also, so I'm a cut, I'm gonna buzz the sides of her hair. At least I'm, I probably won't do the top, maybe. Or maybe I'll do just a little tiny, tiny bit of the top. Let's we're gonna film this for Instagram. <laughs> we're just gonna film it and put it on Instagram because like I feel like our our relationship will go to another Hello. level when I let Bridget like barber. My you could do hair. mine too. Cause you know? I got a I got the the undercut thing in the back. So you could do mine too. First of all, <laughs> that's so low pressure, okay? Because like, <laughs> how rude? Because <laughs> <That is> so- <laughs> like, I'm all, white. You're how saying rude. I could- <laughs> The undercut gets covered by the rest that's of her fair. hair. So if I fuck that's it up. Fair. Nobody's gonna see it. It's one of what they call it a hair tattoo. That's what they've renamed it. I'm like, or whatever. And like, Bridget's actually gonna shave off That's the sides true. That's of very my true. faux hot. That's very true. Like, if she fuck it up, I mean, there's no going back from that. But I don't feel like Bridget will fuck it up because we have pretty good communication. And I always find that the barbers who fuck it up, they don't listen to me. They think they know what I said. They don't clarify it. The reason I haven't got my hair cut is because my barber moved away and I'm just so scared to go to another barber because I've gone, I went to seven barbers before I could get my hair cut the way I wanted. The first barber was like, you won't look good like that. You'll look like a lesbian. Well, I'm not going to try to, I'm just going to do exactly what you tell me. I'm not going to try and get creative on your head. I'm going to have you part it by yourself <laughs> and clip, yeah. we'll clip it up and then I will only cut the hair that is not in the don't cut this zone <laughs> and then I will use whatever level of clipper you want I've been practicing the fade because I've been doing my husband's hair so I've been practicing the one two fade so I'm getting pretty good at it I'm totally down I'm totally down to let you do this I'm over this whatever this fro hawk situation yeah. of randomness yeah. is yeah. so it looked really good in my music videos though I'm not gonna lie the last one I did it looks like a painting and the hair just... You guys, like, if you oof, haven't checked out Shawnee's music videos and stuff, go to her Instagram, at MarvelousXE underscore. I apologize. Also, it's linked in our profile of our Instagram, Romance at a Glance. So go check it out. We will also be posting the the videos on our Instagram as well so that you can check them out. Shawnee is such a dope artist. After this, there's no going back. Our friendship is just fucking <laughs> Oh, Jesus, it's not sealed sealed yet, you guys. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, on that (laughs) note, let's take a quick break while I digest that our our romantic relationship, our friendship is not (laughs) sealed. (laughs) 
Hello, best friends. Thank you for being loyal listeners of Romance at a Glance. We're so happy to have you. If you'd like to support us further, head over to Patreon, where you can become one of our patrons. We've got a lot of great perks, such as merch and a super secret discussion group, where Bridget and I talk to you directly about all things romance and all things nasty. So come on over. And now, back to our show. Okay, so let's talk about the heroines. We talked about a lot of things. What do you think? What did you give Evie? I gave Evie a four. I really loved Evie. I thought that she grew the entire book. Um, there was only like maybe a couple moments where I was like, Evie, come on. But for the most part, like I was with her. I enjoyed her. And every time I wanted her to kind of speak up, she did. Um, and so that was cool. What do you think about Evie? I thought same. Four stars. I thought she was real solid. I liked her arc. I liked that she was proactive in escaping and it was her idea to get married and that she was like, nope, we're leaving tonight. Nope, we're doing this. Yes, this is like she was driving the force of the narrative, which I really liked. Um, And I thought her relationship with her friends and her quasi-brother Cam uh, were also really well-written and developed. And so I was was a fan, four stars. Hey, what do you think of the hero? I also gave him four stars. So I do want to preface that with like, I did not read book two where he kidnapped someone. And there were some people who were like, soups, not cool with him having his own book. And so I cannot agree with you just because I haven't read book two. Um, But I just, uh, like I said earlier, I liked that he immediately started taking care of her and protecting her when she became his wife, even though... He, you know, it was a marriage of convenience and he was going to kind of like send her away to be safe. But like anytime anyone said anything to her, anytime something was like, oh, I need morning dresses. He was like, okay, cool. Like here's all these like sumptuous fabrics. And like, like he was just like taking care of her in a way that no one ever had. And and he was like, yo, you're a vice countess, like own that shit. So I liked that about him. How about you? I, I totally agree. I gave him a four. I thought that, like, he starts off the book a little bit like a douche. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's driving the train. But as soon as they get married, he starts driving the train. And that's when they start, like, having their kind of conflicts. But I like that when he noticed initially her flinching, like, thinking that he was going to hit her, mm-hmm. when he just, like, raised his hand, he realized, like, oh, like, what had been going on mm-hmm. um, or whatever. And his behavior kind of changed. She recognized, you saw in a moment that he recognized that was serious. And so he, like immediately told her, like, you will never get hit by me, Mm -hmm. ever. Um, And you saw his behavior start to mature. Mm -hmm. And that was sexy for me. You know, again, I did not read the book, too, either. However, I I do agree that it's really hard sometimes for my character to come back from, like, bad behavior, Mm -hmm. depending on how bad it is. But I don't think, I think they, well, I think they addressed it in this book, kind of, like, like, he ends up apologizing to his best friend and, and uh, his wife. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they actually become friends again. Yep. And so it's kind of like if if that character can forgive him, then we as readers can also forgive him, which I agree. was helpful for me. Um, the fact that they didn't acknowledge that he wasn't a douche for doing that, like, in the beginning of the book, and that she made that part of his storyline yep. uh, for why she got picked, I think that was great. But I think by the end of the book... You really fell in love with him. You really liked him for Evie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you felt like they were going to have at least a start to a good life. There were some things in there where I was like, ooh, I want to. I wish I knew what happened in the after pages. Mm. But you, I know, I already know that, that the son has a book. So I'm sure that they were loving parents and embraced him and it was of all course, of gravy. Of course, of course, of um, course. Or whatever. But anyways, to wrap it up, I gave him a four. 
I loved him. Even his shady ethics was like a code of ethics. Like he had a code of ethics. And I like that when he walks into the to the gambling hell or whatever you call it, um, the gentleman's club, he's kind of like, wait, this is my inheritance too. I married her. This is my inheritance. And then he's invested. Yeah. You know? Yep. And I think part of his investment is that he's invested for her. Yep. This is her inheritance, you know, and he takes it seriously. And so that was a, a good glow up for him. So I, 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 I like them. I gave him a four. Uh, I thought he was a McSteamy, even though their sex was vanilla. I thought he was a McSteamy. He gave it to he her. Was a, he gave it to her. He good. was eating her. Yeah. He was snacking yeah. on her he at every munch, turn. Munch, munch. And there was no closed door. Nope. Nope. No closed nope. door. Nope. <laughs> this book was steamy as fuck. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. Well, we already... I guess technically, is this considered a bodice ripper if she rips his bodice? I'm just saying. Like... I mean, she did rip his bodice when he was she mortally did. wounded, which I thought was a dick <laughs> move, but <laughs> she did indeed. Okay, she well, we already indeed. talked about our favorite lines in the book. So what was your favorite review? My favorite review. Well, let me do my, I have one more favorite line. Oh, I three, yeah. I'm oh. so Bridget. I'm oh. so Bridget today. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I like this one just as a general, like, world quote, Mm -hmm. which is, Mysteries of attraction could not always be explained through logic. Sometimes the fractures in two separate souls became the very hinge that held them together. Mm. And and I found that to be very true. sappy motherfucker. Look at you. Look at you. Welcome to my side of the line. (laughs) Get your feels out, girl. (laughs) During quarantine... (laughs) I had to think about my partnerships and how I have structured my life until now and what was going on during these certain things. And I met my second partner at a time where, um, right, right after we had met, things with my first partner had gotten a little bit rocky. And my second partner was filling the needs that I needed met, Right. And so one of the things I had to ask myself during quarantine as is, am I trauma bonding? Is this, is he filling the 10% of things I need met, but not the other 90, but I'm not seeing it because, you know, because I need these things met. So I had to actually really dig deep and, uh, and know, like him and I grew up in a similar way. So we have a similar experiences, um, our similar traumas. So it's easy for us to talk about these things and whatever. So I had to really assess during quarantine, like, am I trauma bonding? Am I getting the things I need from this partner fully? Am I giving the things I need to give this partner fully? Um, and that sort of thing. So when I read this line, it just kind of reminded me of that. Um, and also like a reminder to any listener out there that that is a real thing, that you may fall in love with somebody because of 10% of who they are is what you need, um, but it's not necessarily... Um, what's going to be good for you. So sometimes you got to take a step back and figure out, like, are you trauma bonding? Um, luckily, I came to the conclusion that I was not. <laughs> That's good. But it took a lot of journaling and a lot of introspection and a whole lot of conversation with said partner um, to come to that conclusion. So, Well, I'm proud of you for doing all of that work and happy with Thank the you. outcome because he makes you very happy. So that's exciting. He does. Also... Yeah. My husband always says to me, I'm not going to be the husband you want. I'm the husband you need. That's what he always says to me. And I'm like, fuck you, Leo. <laughs> be both. Be, be both. both. <laughs> but also, like, very true. Because, like, he's more talking about, like, if I want to do something, like, that's, like, not healthy for myself or something that I've yeah. said, oh, I don't want to, like, stay up all night doing something, you know, like, watching TV because tomorrow I have to work or something. He's like, 
okay, then you need to get your ass to bed because that's what you said you're going to do. And I'm like, that's, fuck yep. you. But also, thank you. <laughs> thank you, but thank you. I love you. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, so wait. So my favorite, I'll do my favorite review. Okay. Uh, which is from uh, Amy, who has Foxy Blogs. And I just picked a piece of her review. It said, I really enjoy listening to this audio. Evie's growth from an intimidated young woman to a strong woman, not afraid to speak her mind, happened gradually over the course of the book. At the beginning of the book, you notice Evie stutters a lot, but partway through, you forget that she ever had that issue prior. Um, So I I felt like that was a nice review. She gave it four stars, and that's what I also give the book. I give the book four stars. Um, I also gave the book four stars, and so did my Goodreads reviewer. Fyreen, I believe is her name, P-H-R-Y-N-N-E. Fyreen? Freeny? <laughs> Guys, I don't know how to spell that, how to pronounce that. Fryeny. <laughs> we need you to stop. Whatever. I don't know. I'm going to stop. Okay. My first, I apologize. I chose your review and I can't pronounce your name. My first book by this author, and of course I had to start in the middle of a series. Ah, just like me. But that's okay, as the story stood on its own. I do agree you can completely read this as standalone. Do not need to read books one and two. Did not feel lost at all. This is a funny, entertaining romp of a book written in the style of Georgette Hare, but with more sex. I don't know who Georgette Hare is, but there was a lot of sex, and I liked it. Lisa Klepos writes her characters well, and Evie and Sebastian quickly develop into people you would like to know personally. The dialogue is smart and funny. Story moves along nicely until the last few pages, where I began to think the author did not know how to end it. It kind of dribbled to a close, which is a shame. (laughs) And that is how I felt. This was a five-star, and then all of a sudden I was like, okay, 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 well, it's over. Okay, so then, uh, all right. So the ending was a little lackluster, but the rest of the book was great. So... You know, I gave it four stars. I actually, you know, I've, I would say a lot of people rate this as their favorite Lisa Claypots or their favorite historical romance of all time. Yeah. Um, and I actually this preferred is- uh, Dreaming of You, her other, and then came you, her other, um, some of her other books. But she's a great author. I would 100% read more of her books. Yeah. And this book was, I would totally recommend you read this book. This book was, was good. I liked it. This book, yeah, this book was good. And I think if you like this type of book, um, then read Elizabeth Hoyt's Duke of Sin. However, that's like, I think that's book like seven in Is it a standalone or do you have to read the other ones? I would recommend reading the whole series. Okay. But it's one of my favorite series. So I would definitely just recommend in general, read the whole series. It's great. It's like, it's good. It's got intrigue. It's got what, it's got good open door sex maybe um, maybe we'll have not. to choose that as a maybe our next year's historical we'll just do that whole series that would be good because every book is so different and every dude is so different and it's like yeah but the character uh in that book is so bad and so good you just can't he's so suave that you can't Ooh, help suave but yeah you know and suave he says cito. like exactly what he's thinking mm-hmm. and it's just it's just so good so anyway, I would recommend that book if you like this book. Just read the whole series, Elizabeth Hoyt's Duke of Sin. Well, you heard it here, guys. We got to sign off. Until then, may your books be your lover. Your hand's your best friend. Thanks for hanging in with those romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.